Hello, and welcome back to week two of Just for Kicks on Game Time TT. I'm Scott Erickson, the boys soccer writer for Game Time. We're joined, as always, by the honorable Joe Morelli, the girls' soccer writer. Joe, how are you? Good. Has the weather changed since we were last on? No, it's beautiful. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. we haven't had any rain. We've had no rain. And we, no, and, nothing. And we've started the season, which is, I think, is a is an accomplishment in itself. We uh, made it, uh, yeah, we made it a week, right? I mean, we, we've gotten through... Uh, three days. All right, three days. It felt like a week. <laughs> it feels like months and months and months, which is which it has been. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've both been to games. I mean, I, I, I went to Guilford Hand, boys. Um, I know you've been, we're going to refer back. And, and it was odd, a little bit odd, having no fans in Surf Club. Would, they, Hand, normally, would they normally have fans for that game, Guilford Hand? Yeah, they would, and it'd be a decent crowd. You'd hear them. I mean, listen, it's soccer, it's not like football where you – I mean, these great big crowds and that – but it's noticeable. And they're, they're out – if you've ever been to a surf club in Madison, I know Pete McGuire, our producer, has. They're outside the, the big metal fence watching from outside, which was kind of interesting, so they brought their cars instead. But, um, but you wrote a good story. Uh, oh, there, was fans sitting, there was fans in the parking lot watching. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's what it's going to resort to uh, uh, when these when they play two more times. And obviously, um, are they zero fans? No, no parents, nothing. No, nothing, nothing. Yeah. And it's not to story it both two goals and reigning Connecticut Player of the Year is off to a great, great start. But you mentioned in the story last week about places that a lot of places that don't have fans or are limited, and let people know how can people watch games if they can't go to games, Scott. Yeah, I mean, you hope that the schools have some kind of streaming option in place. Um, I went to Abbott Tech last week and saw them play their first SWC game. Right. And th- that they don't have a streaming option. So, you know, and I saw parents who didn't know they couldn't get in coming up to the gate and getting turned away. Uh, but they're at absolutely zero fans right now. Uh, and there's no real option unless they go to an away game. So say they go to New Milford and right. New Milford has a, a streaming service, then you can watch that. Uh, but yeah, you have to get a lot of times in Connecticut, you know, there's NFHS, which serves, you know, 90 something schools in Connecticut. A lot of the Fairfield County schools have local live, um, local live. I think you can just go watch without a subscription, you know, NFHS, you need a monthly subscription to watch. Then some schools, you know, like Darien, uh, Staples, a few others have their own streaming options for if your kid's going to play against Darien one day and you're not allowed to go, um, you, you can do it. Uh, but to echo your point, it was so weird to be there with nobody. You know, I mean, not that that game would draw a huge crowd anyway, but there would be parents at the game and yes. probably a stu- few students. Right. Uh, the one thing I did notice was nobody was yelling at the refs from the crowd. So I was able to, like, stand in front of the bleachers and not be annoyed by listening they were to in my, they, You could hear them complaining about the refereeing in my game <laughs> from where they were. But, uh, Scott, just let the people know, those that can go on the NFHS, there's a monthly and there's a seasonal subscription, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like ten ninety nine a month, uh, and you can go on an NFHS and uh, get a subscription. They're trying to get everything. And then the schools that have them generally have cameras in the gyms and out on the fields. Um, so you just hope that the soccer is being played there. There's no football being played, so soccer should get precedent to get into the stadiums and be filmed. Uh, it's a pretty good operation. It's a pretty good way to watch the game if you can't go in. Um, I, would, I would really hope at least they could get some parents into these games just so they could see their kids, especially the senior parents. You know, they've it's spent so much place, time traveling to games. Yeah, some places are. Unfortunately, if I, I mean, it's like us, what we discussed, we have to call ahead and let people you know we're coming, make sure we can go. I, I would advise parents, 
if you don't know, you're listening to this and you don't have an idea, I would email the athletic director or the principal, find out if you can go or not, because otherwise you're going to walk in and you're going to find out you can't get in there have to watch outside. Uh, Scott, you mentioned uh, – I wouldn't show up at any high school right now without calling ahead and making sure you get there. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't assume anymore, not, not in this day and age. Uh, you mentioned Abbott Tech. Uh, we talked about the regions last week, Scott, and about how these different teams are in different divisions. And nobody took more of a drastic difference or a step than the, um, the old CTC because they've been completely broken up because of their travel. Oh, yeah. It's all over the state. You've got Platt Tech and Whitney Tech in the SEC. You've got Abbott Tech and uh, Bold Havens, I believe, in the SWC. Talk. How do you think that's going to work out uh, for some of these teams? It's going to be rough for some. Others will adjust better. You know, I think Walcott Tech, who's up in the Berkshire League, will be able to compete in games and hang in there. I think Abbott Tech will do okay in their pod in the SWC. I mean, they were competitive. They were out of shape a little bit. Uh, Danbury schools, of course, missed two weeks of practice because everything was shut down there when there was a spike. So when you lose two weeks of conditioning in soccer, that's, that's huge. So they were clearly tired in the second half. But they played with New Milford, uh, you know, for 60 minutes. Um, and I think they'll compete. They're a good soccer program. You know, Bullard Havens is probably going to have a tougher time uh, in the SWC. And they're, they're in a pod with Weston and Barlow. And I think Pomperog, who's the defending champs, like, that's really a tough ask for those, for those teams. It's tough for Whitney and Platt, who are going into the SEC. Um, it's going to be really hard. You know, those teams play in a league together for a reason, because they're competitive with one another. They also have different circumstances than a lot of kids. You know, most of the kids that attend tech schools have jobs. They work at nights, they work weekends, and the CTC generally, generally does not schedule games at night, does not schedule games on weekends. The schools don't have lights at their stadiums, um, but now they might be asked to go play a night game somewhere else or play on a Saturday somewhere else. So it's tough for the CTC. I hope they can, they, they can get that back together next year when everything is somewhat back to normal. But as you know, those schools are so far apart from each other. You know, you have, you have Wright Tech right. and you have Abbott, yep. and then you have Bullard Havens, and those three are pretty far apart. They're all like 30 miles apart. And then the rest of the, a lot of them are up around the Hartford area. Um, and a lot of those schools join the CRAL, the Capital Region League, uh, this year, uh, Prince Tech and a few others. Uh, and then you have just a bunch of tech schools scattered all over the place. They have to travel far distances to go to their games, but they do that to be in a competitive league with each other. So you know, it could be a real tough year for some of them. But again, I think they're all just happy to be playing, even if it's not in a in a place where they're going to be super competitive. Well, you mentioned the Danbury area and Immaculate. Uh, they don't start games in any of their sports until Friday the 9th because they've been affected by COVID and, and they're out. Uh, we've talked about Fairfield Lovell and they're starting this week. But now is another school. Their programs are starting. And our, our guest today is going to be the Southington girls soccer coach, Mike Linehan. Uh, they went to the Class Double Finals last year. Southington is off this is out this week. They're distance learning. So that's something we're going to bring up with him. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We're going to be back with our second Just for Kicks podcast of the season with Southington girls soccer coach, Mike Linehan, right after this. Welcome back to our Just for Kicks podcast where we have uh, our guest, Southington girls soccer coach Mike Linehan. Southington went to the Class Double State Finals last year, lost to Glastonbury, made a fantastic run. Mike, welcome to the program. How are you? And thank you. Thanks for having me. Mike, um, as we all know, the news uh, in Southington is, on, is in remote learning this week. They've put a pause on things, and it's happening in different parts of the state. Can you talk about 
status of your program and what's going on with the uh, everybody on distance learning? Uh, well, we've, uh, you know, this is a, a year I think we're going to, we'll all remember. Um, it's going to, it's an interesting year. Uh, we have, uh, we've made the necessary adjustments uh, week to week, day to day, it seems. Um, we've, um, you know, as you've indicated, uh, the high school has gone into a full remote learning uh, and um, how, you know, that certainly is uh, probably uh, as, you know, as a parent and as a coach, because my daughter's on the team and as a coach, um, uh, we're all dealing with the, uh, the impacts of going remote, um, but the benefits as well. I think that uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a, um, a number of times they've, uh, the, they've shut down the high school and how that's impacted um, many of our players on the team. Uh, they put, you know, players have been in under quarantine and it really has impacted our level of training and uh, thank God it was done earlier in the preseason where it has not impacted any of our games. But it is something that, again, uh, we are trying to manage, uh, something different this year than we've ever had to manage before. Uh, as you start out 2-0, you're playing the two Bristol schools this week. Are those games going to be impacted at all, Mike? No, they're not. Uh, thank God. Um, yeah, um, I was informed on Friday uh, that uh, no, uh, there was not a varsity player on uh, being asked to quarantine. So I, no, um, thank God, I think we have our full squad uh, for the uh, upcoming two games. Mike, uh, your, your daughter is a senior on the squad. Uh, yeah. Daughter, what position does she play? She's, an outside, she's an outside midfielder. Um, Listen, we talked about in the opening as you were waiting for us. Um, I'm curious, as we talked about the regions and about how everybody's in their own playing the six schools, or however many programs closest to them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're not playing Glastonbury this year. How, how did you approach it with your kids in the preseason as we went through the cohorts and hoping to get to October 1st and knowing who you were going to play and maybe not have a traditional basketball state tournament? That's a great question, Joe. You know, uh, you have to say up front that there was a bit of disappointment, right? You have to, you have to uh, um, say that, you know, as you look at what our schedule has been and what these kids have, ex uh, have experienced over the many years, uh, the CCC West, we enjoy playing in the CCC West. I think we enjoy the competition. Um, and I think the competition loves, to, uh, uh, loves us as well. So, you know, um, one disappointment two how do you approach it you kind of look at it a couple of ways when you put it all in perspective and you hope you hope that a 16 17 year old uh young lady will understand it you and i as adults do but when you say to them things like i think we should be just lucky that we're on the field and they, and having the opportunity to play um, when they put it into that perspective they begin to get it um but that's hard for a 16, 17 year old to, to recognize that. And so um, I think we looked at it this year as if to say, um, again, we're, we're, we take advantage, you know, let's look at the opportunity that we've been given. Let's look at the glasses half full, not half empty. Uh, let's do what we can, um, enjoy the moment. So I've got 11 seniors and I think they're, they're just looking to have a, an experience um, being on the field with each other. 
Um, whether the competition is Glastonbury, Farmington, Simsbury, we're going to play Farmington actually. Right. Uh, Simsbury and the two West Hartford teams. We'd, we'd love that. And I'm sure they would say the same. Uh, the history that we have with playing those teams, it's a lot of fun. It really is. And it's memories that we'll, we'll have. And we'll, bet we'll get there next year. Um, but this year, I think that we're fortunate that we feel that we have the opportunity to be on the field. And that's the attitude we're taking and in going into the season. Mike, in a normal year, can you tell people that don't know how much conditioning goes into those final two weeks before the season starts? And then how much that was impacted this year by kids missing? Practice? It was significantly impacted. Um, you remember now, we were uh, coaching in cohorts. And so that was, that was like, what is that? How, what, um, if you talk to a number of coaches, their definition, the definition was clear. It's what would, uh, how did you create, uh, put your team, a team sport into certain cohorts of 15 players or 10 to 15 players? That was very difficult. Put some thought into it. Um, in terms of getting the team ready, that was very difficult. Um, even today, I don't think we're, we're a hundred percent where we need to be because of the fact that we haven't been able to train as a team. Um, when we were asked to put groups together. So the question was, do you put your defenders together? Do you put your midfielders together? How do you, how do you group your, your team? Um, so that you can get the best out and the most out of it. Um, in terms of conditioning wise, God, I think we were probably the most conditioned we ever been in, in our years. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, that was something we could do and could do often. Um, but in terms of getting ourselves game ready, I think that uh, I would bet uh, most coaches would say that I think that we're still getting to where we need to be um, because of the fact that we haven't been able to spend as much time together as a team. Are you guys able to practice normally while kids are distance learning? Yes, we are. Um, we have been able to get the group together. Uh, there was, that's a great question because uh, last Wednesday when we went down um, to uh, lockdown and remote learning, that was the first question to the AD because the week before when we went through the same situation, he, we had canceled practices. So when the school was closed, practice was canceled. We did not, uh, up to our uh, first game, we had Monday, Tuesday, um, were shut down. So we, uh, that's what I'm saying. When we went to play our first game against Britain, we had only been together as a team a matter of a handful of days. A handful of days. Now, we're fortunate now the administration has changed, made, made a different decision. Even though we're not in school, they're giving us an opportunity to still practice. And Mike, you have, bringing back experienced players has to really help in a situation like this where the preseason is limited, right? Oh, you couldn't have said it better. Um, you've got 11 seniors. I've got 13 juniors. So you can see that uh, that experience has been extremely helpful. Um, matter of fact, is our, our first game and then our second game on Saturday. Um, I'm not starting from scratch this year because this group has been with me for the past two to three years. And so for that reason, we certainly are, are, are in a different place than I thought what I would have been, let's say if I was uh, working with younger, more inexperienced varsity players. The answer to your question is yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the AD and I talk about that all the time. I'm somewhat fortunate this year that I have the level of experience on the team. 
Yeah, you wouldn't want it to be a year where you lose 11 seniors and you're trying to rebuild a program. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, no, not at all. But, uh, you know, that's why this year our squad is – we've got a 30-player a varsity team. Yeah. Um, because we're – that anticipation as we lose 11 um, is having the opportunity. Because remember now, I can only train in cohorts. So you can't do the type of – uh, build the type of programming program where you've got JV kids coming in and interfe inter interfacing with the varsity. We're trying to keep those two together. So I had to make the decision, do I leave the varsity team on the left side where I'm not going to interface with them, where I call up players when needed or get experience because I've got such a large varsity group? So this year what we did is we basically have the JV team practicing with the varsity team. And that's where you've got a 30-player roster. Um, and I think that the training program, therefore, is consolidated where I can work with both teams because of the fact that um, we want to give them that experience so that, again, as we look at this year, as coaches always do, we always look at next year as well. Southeastern Girls Soccer Coach Mike Linehan joining us on a podcast. Uh, they're 2-0 already, the Blue Knights of Southington, beating, shutting out New Britain and Plainville. You mentioned 11 seniors, including your daughter, but... A couple of uh, your players made our t players to watch list, Abigail Sawa and, forgive me on the pronunciation, and Allison Carr, uh, going both go to Division I schools. Talk a little bit about them and what they've meant to your program. Oh, man, brings tears to my eyes. Um, Abby and I, Allie, this senior group, uh, be it with my daughter, I've been around this group and have seen this group uh, and been coached in many ways of this group since they were very young. Um, so I've seen Abby uh, and been with Abby for a while, Allie as well, um, and then the rest of the group. Um, Abby's solid player. Um, probably, um, you know, I, you've got to go way back to find a player like that that, is, that, uh, uh, that represented Southington High School. Um, when Sal Penta was coach years ago and he had that great group um, uh, and, made, and won the final. Um, but you got to go way back to get a player like Abby um, and the level of composure um, uh, and experience that she has. And she's going to be a great uh, college, going to go to East Carolina uh, University and, be, uh, and had many opportunities to play locally, um, but just decided to go in that direction. I think it was a great fit for her. Um, she anchors our midfield and has, um, even when she came up as a freshman, um, she is uh, really anchored us there uh, with her with her composure and her experience. Allie, Allie is another one. Um, Allie will will always remember Al last year regular season, uh, uh, scoring that first big goal against Glastonbury. Um, and it just set uh, our program in a completely different direction. Uh, where you know again where uh, a game like that, and uh, she was a big part of it. And, as well, I have had a lot of uh, uh, fun working with Allie. Um, got injured, uh, over played bat. She's a basketball player as well. She tore her ACL basketball and she's recovering and is recovering well. Uh, this is a kid that decided at uh, um, the uh, winter of last year uh, that she was gonna be ready for this year and she is um, um, so cover recovering and recovering well. Um, in addition to those two, then you've got uh, Sharon Litch, uh, Shannon Litchfield, uh, again going to uh, believe she's got her eyes on University of Al Albany. Uh, she broke her leg against Farmington. 
shattered both the tibia and the fibia, uh, clean break. And she's back. Um, we didn't have her in the final last year, but she is so dynamic and as well a player that is, again, going to make a huge impact uh, to us this year. And along with uh, uh, Morgan Hubert. Morgan Hubert is, I could look at those four is, if you want to look at the core of our team this year, everything's going to go through uh, those four. Um, the beauty of a team like this is that you get uh, the underclassmen, uh, uh, two of them that just stand uh, above the rest is Maya Wobluski, um, another great player that uh, I've been around uh, again, that's going to be a, she's a junior now and she's going to certainly lead this team as we get into next year. And then Allie's sister, uh, Jess Carr. Uh, a regional ECNL type player, um, um, one of our best. If, uh, if you know, even looking at the seniors, she's got to put herself in uh, in one of the top three to four as well. Um, so when you have a senior group like that, led by Abby and Al, Shannon and and uh, Morgan, and then you've got the underclassmen that complement that team. Um, we believe that that's uh, again hoping for a tournament experience when you've got that type of uh, talent on a team like this, um, you really hope for an opportunity to show you know everyone in the state again what we can do. Mike, you've had this group. You said for a while. I mean, your daughter's been there. Did you see them when they were young and say this is a special group of kids? Um, yeah, you know that's a great question. This group was coached by two guys in town who've done an outstanding job, uh, Jim Immy and Kevin Hubert. Uh, they started with them. Uh, they worked there from a club team, and they actually went to the national finals, uh, and I believe won it. Um, at age 11 or 12, um, immediately they put a mark in the program uh, in town and said, this is a group to watch. So to answer your question, absolutely. They started young. Um, they had success when they were young. Um, watched them come all the way through. They scattered a little bit. Um, a good number of them went to FSA. A number of them went over to uh, CFC. Some of them went to... Uh, sporting, uh, so many of them went in, in somewhat separate directions from a premier experience, um, but having them come back together at the high school, they made an impact as freshmen. I had three of them come onto the fresh uh, varsity team as freshmen, that was Allie, Abby, and Shannon, um, and then as sophomores, the bulk of them came, and then he added my daughter, Shannon, Morgan, um, Michaela, uh, Lauren, and Emily Igo, which I, I should mention her, she's the anchor of any team. She's the, she's the goalie. Um, and uh, the games last year, going through the, uh, the Ridgefield game, the Ridgefield game, if you remember, it was seconds and they took a shot and she literally took it out of the corner. It would have been tied, it would have, it, but she, it was a save that we'll remember. And I couldn't tell you the number of saves that she made even in the final. Um, uh, she's a great player, a, a player of herself, and going again, going to go to a great college. But when you've got a, a goalie, top notch, a def back line that's solid with seniors, your midfield is uh, again with Jess, uh, Maya, and, and Abby, and then you can you got Allie and Shannon and Morgan up top. That's a that's a tough group to beat. Southington girls soccer coach Mike Linehan joining us on the Just Kicks podcast. Well, you kind of stole a little bit of, stole a little bit of my thunder, Mike. I'm <laughs> fond of saying on this podcast, and there's recordings of it, 
Well, you got to go through the FCAC. I said it. If you've read, listened to it, you know I've said it. And uh, I said, well, how good is Southington last year? Well, you got Richfield and Staples sitting there. They'll be in the final like they've always been. And you know what? You, you beat Richfield one nothing. Glastonbury beat Staples one nothing. Despite all Glastonbury's success over the years of having the longest winning streak in the state, uh, I picked against you guys. So, obviously, you guys weren't surprised you guys were met in the finals. Maybe people on the Gold Coast were. But how, how important is it, Mike, to play those kind of programs and beat them, to beat the Amities and, and get to a final and play Glastonbury and be your program? There's a notch at Featherin, Huntington's cap, to do what they did? Well, you know, um, you know, first of all, you got to look at it a couple of ways. First of all, um, we still believe at this point in time, first of all, very humble about where, what we've done. Um, have to be. Um, I, I know Ian, I know Barry, I know what they've done. Yep. And, and Joe. So if you look at those three, and there are others out there, right, guys? I mean, there are some great teams, and I've been around for a long time. Um, I still think we've got some work to do because, again, what they've done versus what we have done is that um, what we've done is uh, we've had some success, so certainly over the last few years. But the goal, uh, our goal, is to have continued success, and that's what the difference is right now between us and those three. Yeah, we had a good year, but we don't want it to be just a good year. We want to have another good year and to build on those two, those these next these past years and the next few, so that we can continue to and be and be uh, have you know let's to be in that conversation. You've got to build. A program that's sustainable for the future and sustainable over years and when you look at Ridgefield Staples and you look at Glastonbury that those three have done that and there are others let's not exclude some of the other Amity and you can see the programs that are beginning to develop consistency from year to year Shelton Farmington uh, Simsbury you get you get on these runs um, and when you got a program versus a team, that's the difference. And we want to have a program that's going to be sustainable for the future um, so that we can be in these conversations tomorrow and the years past. Um, we've got a foundation better than we've done in the past. We've worked on our feeder system, our training program, um, and put together, we believe, a program that we hope Will be, will be sustainable for the future. So I'm very humbled to, at this point in time, to be where we are today. Um, but I truly believe we've got a lot of work to do so that we can have, be, like I said, in a conversation like this, not just today, but in three years, we're having this same conversation and being able to compare ourselves to some of the best, like you've mentioned, I hope to be able to be there. Mike, like we've talked about you guys in distance learning, everybody kind of unsure how far we're going to get Nobody knows what the tournament experience is going to be like yet. How do you determine success based mm -hmm. upon what you said this season, not knowing what's going to be the end game? <laughs> Boy, my friend, that's a great question. You know, and again, <laughs> we'll ask a great question. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. Um, yeah, we would love, if, as, as everyone else would, as anyone else would, is to have a tournament experience. So that we, instead of telling each other that we're number one, that we can, and then we can prove it on the field. And I think that there's not a coach out there that wouldn't ask for the same. There's not a coach that wouldn't ask for that same opportunity. Um, uh, if we don't get that opportunity, we're just going to, like I, I think our philosophy is with the season itself. Whatever we're going to be handed, 
we're going to do the best we can with it. If we're if we've got a 12 game season, we go out and we're going to we're going to win them all. We're going to try to win them all. Right. If you give us a tournament experience where it's it, whatever it is, we're going in. We're going to try to win them all. Um, I, I think that it's not in our control. Um, I, I, no matter what we say, so we're going to try to deal with what any with whatever anyone whatever they give us. Um, and as I told the kids, we're just going to do whatever we can. And our goal is is that we're going to our goal is that again we're going to um, let's have the best experience possible. Um, from a game perspective, yep, we're going in and we go try to win them all um, and uh, allow our, these seniors to be very honest with it. It's all about these seniors at this point in time. I come back next year. Maya comes back next year. Jess comes back next year. And many of the other juniors, so I got 13 of them, they come back next year. But these 11 don't come back, and including my daughter. And so right. the hope is, is that we've got to look at it from their perspective that we're going to make this year the best experience that we can that's in our control. Um, so I hope the tournament committee, um, I, I think we, if, if they, you know, I think we can come up with something that where we can, uh, if you want to regionalize it, great. Um, but if you, if, you know, maybe there's a, maybe if you look at regionalizing and you, you win your own region and maybe you've got a final four and we'll make sure that guys, I can distance I can social distance. We've got them. When you come to our games and you see what we do in social distancing, I think it's a best practice that will will duplicate across the state. I mean, there when we don't we don't huddle together. We sit six feet apart. When they come to talk to me at halftime, I, I say get in get in your um, formation, lined up, six atop, five deep, six across. Sit down so you can see it's very very structured. And if there's rules, someone said to me, it's almost like when you look at all the other sports, so, you know, football, who's not playing. But if you said to them and you said, if you had to do anything to make sure that your kids were, were given the opportunity to play, what would you do? They'd say, I'll do anything. And I think as coaches, as I am saying to you, if whatever they told me, stand on your head, spin around six times, whatever you tell me to do, I think we'll do it so that we can have the experience, most importantly for our seniors across the entire state, to give them the opportunity to really prove it on the field. Mike, are they allowing fans at Sullington High events? Uh, no, they're not. For away, uh, When the away team comes in, home team only. Uh, away team does not, uh, are not allow. That's what we've decided in our region. So you have you can have at your home games. We do, but everyone's limited to two um, parents, um, two mem uh, members of every player's family is allowed to come in. Uh, but the unfortunately, um, uh, away visitors are not allowed, and that's it. Was an agreement made by the superintendents within our region. Uh, we went to see Plainville, um, and I know that uh, what we're thinking of doing is uh, live stream the game. Um, so that the parents can, um, who are not being able to attend. But you imagine, you guys, the fence was there, and all the parents right. lined up all on the outside. I, well, I, I saw well, a couple of them hanging in the trees. Well, we were talking about that with the Guilford Hand. I mean, you know about the rivalry of Guilford Hand boys, and they're outside the stadium. Exactly. Um, the one thing yeah. they didn't do yet, because it was a free season over, was senior night. Are you guys doing senior night sooner rather than later, because just in case? Or Joe, good man. Uh, yep. Um, this Friday night. And I they think are. you're going to find that most teams are going to be doing something similar. 
Uh, our boys team had their game, uh, their senior night last Saturday. Uh, but yeah, we are. Yes, we are. When, you, when they talk about not having sports and cutting the season short, don't you feel like your players are in the best position when they're with you following your protocols and then that they're more responsible because they're on the team when they leave you too, that they have to do the right thing when they're out in the world? Oh, we've talked about that. That's a great point. Um, we've talked about um, the discipline around what we've, you know, what we've put in place and how that that's a, um, uh, certainly a, a practice that they should be taking to go, you know, how they're, when they go home. Um, I've said to them the other, you know, uh, as we started, I said, ladies, I said, if you need to recognize, um, I'm asking you to, to, to be like an adult. When you leave here and you're asked to go to a, so, a party or you're asked to go out, you've got to recognize that you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. If you want to, enter, you want to expose yourself to that type of environment, just remember that you bring that back into our family, the family that we've created here. And so, I, yes, I have to agree with you. I think they've learned a lot through this. And do I think I've given them some principles to follow? Not like anybody else has, but they fully understand it and are implementing it, not just in terms of what we do every day they come to practice. Every day. We have a self-screening protocol. And, yes, I've got that. I've got the... Uh, the thermometer right in my back pocket and they know I surprise them every once in a while. But that's the protocol that we all oh, believe me, Joe. I'm like, I'm like right to their head. I said, what, how, what's your temperature today? So, but, but that's the discipline. Joe. I think from a, from a society standpoint, when you see that we've got outbreaks, I think I'm trying to help these kids understand that we, it's when we said we're all in this together, we are truly in all this together. And that with, we, again, we can, we can make a difference if we stay, again, socially distanced and do the things. Yeah, they hate when I tell them, wear their masks. Now, I take it to another level. You wear your mask, the only time you don't is when I tell you to, and that might be in a scrimmage environment. We can do our technical training. We can do a lot of things with our masks on. Um, so they're very comfortable with wearing their masks. Uh, when they uh, when they when they scrimmage, they can come off. Their six their bags are six feet apart. They immediately put their mask on. They walk off the field, and I think they recognize the import. They recognize the importance of making sure they're social distancing and following the protocol rules around COVID nineteen. Well, I, I would have to think. I would have to. Sorry, Scott. I would have to think. Listen, you're in a town. I've got. I've dropped off a lot of number one trophies into that town and the polls that we run: basketball and softball and baseball yeah. and football. And, uh, and and you're in a town where you don't have football, and that's. I'm sure that impacts the kids too. They see, well, they're not having a program, so we better stay on our game and do what you just said. Otherwise, we're not going to have a season either. And I'm sure a lot of people across the state are thought the same thing, and we're happy to get to October first and to continue. Uh, Joe, yeah, you know, you you couldn't said it better. They watch the football players practice every single day. Yeah. They're still weightlifting and they can't play games. And so I don't have to tell them anything than other than we've got to be very careful. Uh, what the AD said to me, the AD says, Mike, don't be surprised. Right? Steve, Steve, the AD, right? Steve Rizzer, yeah. From, from he, said to me, um, he said, don't be surprised if the uh, Department of Health is going to be coming and watching you play at any point in time. I've told the girls that. Not to scare them, but just to let them know how much they should appreciate the opportunity that they've been given.
and it might be a little different, but the opportunity to begin, because when you look over and watch the football uh, players who are still working extremely hard, but they're not going to be given that opportunity. And they're talking about how it changed for volleyball. We talk about that. Now they, they obviously are playing, but the rumors on the, uh, around about basketball and about wrestling and some of the other sports as we get into the fall, they, my girls, I'm hoping look at this and say, boy, this is an opportunity. We're going to take them. We're going to make the best of it uh, under these conditions. Mike, you're going through this as a coach, but you're also going through this as a father. I mean, how are you balancing those two things? It seems like so hard. And, and you're asking teenagers not to socialize. I mean, that's like, I understand, but it's like everything is so compounded for you. It is hard. Um, you know, you see your daughter, you know, this is my, uh, I've got four kids. And so this is my fourth of uh, going through. So yeah, it's oh, this is your last one. Your last one. Last one. Yeah, oh, it's even harder. Yeah. Oh, man. So uh, this is this is like mm, you know every moment. Uh, it's like you always when I three years ago my daughter graduated. It was always well still got Brianna. You know, so my younger one coming through this year. It's a little different, guys, because I look at things a little different. Yeah, Brianna's. This is truly her, and this is my truly last experience that I'll have with a daughter or a son that I've been able to coach at this level. So, um, absolutely, you know, I'm feeling that every single day. You know, when they had their first game against New Britain, I, I, I thank God I had my mask on because I was ready to choke up. I'm kind of like emotional like that with the, with these girls, um, for her, but and all her friends. I've known them since, like I said, four to five years of age. So senior night, I'm going to be a mess. I'm probably going to just um, uh, not. Uh, so I'll get through that. But um, but yeah, it's a it's a special year for that reason. For that Mike, reason, because you mentioned it. all this power of positive thinking and and what you've said for the kids to be on their game, and you never want to be taken away. Were there any moments during these last seven months where you thought maybe we weren't going to have a season? Absolutely, could uh, many times. Um, Steve Rizzer and I would ask ourselves, um, if you asked me in March or April of this year, whether this was going to happen, you know, I was very optimistic. I first said, cause I coach in another capacity as well. Okay. So we were still playing. So that was kind of odd. We we're doing things a little differently. The outside world kind of had a versus CIAC. We're doing things a little different, but anyway, so we, I had some level of confidence that maybe we were going to be able to get, uh, be on the field. Um, then it started to look real, um, real, uh, real dim. Um, not sure it was going to, going to happen. Um, but we all felt very hopeful. Um, and so I had some, I had personally had some ups and downs and I think that, uh, many of the kids did as well, but yeah, it was, it's been a roller coaster and it was, um, and what, at one time, what the CIC, CIAC was yes. Then they were kind of, then we went no and then we went to cohorts and changed the definition of cohorts it was a lot of moving parts to it and so um, i remember um, in the early part of our preseason yeah i was I, I communicate to the group and it was a different story pretty much almost every day uh, but we hoped and we prayed and uh, like i said to the girls and uh, i think this is an opportunity for us and let's make the best of it. and mike we're here you're 2-0 mm -hmm. Southington girls soccer coach mike lanahan 
Good luck this week against the Bristol schools. Thank, Thank you for you. joining us on the podcast, and we'll be keeping up and seeing how you're doing. Thank you. Thank you all for this great opportunity, and be safe, be well, folks. And thanks you very much for this uh, for the opportunity. Okay, Take care, guys. Bye-bye. We are back on Just for Kicks. Um, Man, I can't imagine being a dad and a coach like that. No, it's it's a lot of of emotions. emotions. I mean, like, I was almost like (laughs) listening to him talking about his kids. You know, when you have kids, you start to realize what that's like. And I can't imagine that, you know, it'd be hard enough as a coach, you know, trying to get your seniors to do a year like this. But when your daughter is one of them, man. Uh, I really feel for what they're going through up at Southington. And like you said, they would have been loaded this year, and they would have been – I mean, were they going to be one of the favorites for double oh, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I mean, you, you return all those kids, and and, and obviously Glastonbury and, and the FCA schools. Do you coach your own kids in anything, uh, Scott? They don't get yeah, to. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't done that yet, but he's five, so. I, I have, yeah. I coach him in everything I can. Everything that I have time to get to and do, I, I try to be involved, you know. So how is it – how do you compartmentalize emotion versus – being fair to everybody else. Is it easy, hard? No, I, you know, I think it helps that we are around a lot of athletes and a lot of coaches all the time and a lot right. of bad parents and a lot of other things. So I've learned a lot of lessons over the years before I had kids. Um, okay. And I, I try to just treat him the same as I treat anyone else when I'm in practice. I almost try to talk to him less and talk, you know, deal with the other kids. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act. It definitely is. But uh, it's really an amazing time to be able to be out there and be with your kid at, at any point on the field. And to carry it all the way through high school would be just tremendous. And when it's your last one, I mean, that that ending would be weird. I mean, because, like, when every season ends, I'm a little melancholy. But sure. to have your last of four kids come through and you're coaching them and then it's a year like this, I mean, geez. Well, one, one of the teams that's going to be really great, was going to be great and contend with St. Joe's, yeah, and they went out and lost. I mean, you, again, they're not playing Richfield. They're not playing Staples. What the term experience is, we, as we discussed with Mike Linehan, we don't know. So they play Trumbull. You play your rival your first game. You lose 2-1, and more importantly, uh, in a great video by our colleague, Bill Bloxham, you get – if you've watched it, go watch it. It's on Game Time TT, uh, and it's Game Story. It's on a story I just posted last night. Um Matty Free, the All-American, our reigning state player of the year, was in a bang-bang play, uh, slide tackle. And, and a clean play. From what I saw in the video, a clean play. It like it's it's like, a hard I soccer mean, play there. I, I'm sure St. Joe's probably fans probably disagree. But anyway, she came off the field, didn't return. Uh, I spoke to I, – I communicate with Jack Nagara, the St. Joe's coach, and she is not playing tonight against Ward. Uh, assuming they play Ludlow, because obviously Ludlow's been – dealing with the COVID situation. Right. That game is scheduled for Tuesday. He said he will not play. She will not play that night. So they're without Maddie Freed. That's a big loss. They're still very good, and they probably still win both those games. But, again, if it is a concussion, because he would not elaborate the nature of the injury, you don't know how long you could be out for. And that's a huge loss. And there's a lot of people that go see this kid play for those who can go attend games. So that's a huge loss, and hopefully she's okay and she'll be back soon. I mean, she's all, she's all American, right? I mean, yes. she's one of the top players yeah, she committed to Bill Nova. Yes, yes, to answer your question as yeah. I cut you off again. Uh, but Bill Nova <laughs> is among the top programs. I mean, she committed – I'm sorry, she committed to I Bill an, Nova. I got, an, I got an Amazon Prime. All right. I, I, we have one daily at my oh house, my I God. swear to God. But it's the best Boys. thing. Anyways, Bill, she committed to Bill Nova, I think, either in eighth grade or as a freshman. Uh, yeah. Grade. 
Uh, so she, listen, I mean, again, her and, and, and Lundgren for St. Joe's, they're going to be fine, but you just don't want to see that happen. You hope she gets healthy and you hope she gets back. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, she was running 100 miles an hour in that play. The other girl was coming in. Yeah, it looked the, like yeah. she got ball. I wasn't there, so I can't tell. No, but going by the, we're all going by the video. We're all going by the video. And, th- and those plays happen in soccer sometimes where they just, they, they, yeah. they're on the ball at the same time and the, a player flips, especially when they're both going so hard at the play. And that's the way Maddie plays. I mean, you know, she's good for a reason because she plays hard like that. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, they're going to take every precaution necessary to make sure she's okay. You can't impact it continue like that. And I, I, I applaud that reasoning, too. Right, and she has, like you said, a college career coming up and, and possibly yeah. more if she can play on, you know, U.S. national teams or whatever. Sure. I mean. So, you know, as much as she, I'm sure she wants to be out there with her friends playing, you got to take time off when you got to take time off. Yep. Um, were you going to see any good games this week? Uh, I'm sure yet. I mean, I, I don't know what – I mean, it's obviously – I mean, Guilford and Hand play again in the boys. They play again in the girls. I mean, Hand and Guilford were first-year head coaches, and uh, Guilford won one nothing last week. Um, Shelton beat Amity and uh, won nothing. So down our up our way in the New Haven area, you've got, you know, you, you're starting to see some, you know, the, the usual suspects. Um, but again, it's, it's too early to tell what's a big game because again, it's, everybody's it's so weird. It's, it's weird. I don't know what. I mean, again, Glastonbury's not playing Sellington. St. Joe's not playing Hall. Richfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's very hard to, and I'm sure there is in the boys' side. There's games it's not playing oh, yeah. because of because of what we have to deal with and and you just you know teams are playing each other three or four times it's it's in a regular well, that's, season that's the other thing is they play each team two or three times um yeah. and sometimes back to back you know I, I know some of the schedules like like you know for example right tech they have all their games back to back so that they're at greenwich they're home for greenwich they're at new canaan they're home yes the fcx i noticed well yeah right text and the fcx right right I, I noticed that a little bit but yeah it's bizarre it's it's going to be strange. We're going to say that a lot. And like I said, we've got to week two, and hopefully we'll be doing this again and uh, we continue to have games because you just never, really never know, honestly. I mean, as Melinda said, you just hope and pray and positive power, the power of positive thinking, and we'll continue to join you each week. That's it. And we're going to be back here next week. That's where, I mean, yeah, we'll be way. back. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we'll have games, that, we'll have more games to talk about. So, yeah, I don't want to talk about the season's ending. In no. All right, for Joe, I'm Scott. We want to thank our producer, Pete, and we'll see you next time on Just for Kicks.